Hey, and welcome back to 52 Founders. I'm your host, Chrissy Costa, and this week I'm joined by Gary Rao, co-founder and chief product officer of CareerLark, a chatbot performance management platform. I was introduced to Gary by her co-founder, Ellen, and really enjoyed learning more about her upbringing and discussing our mutual love of travel. CareerLark operates on top of the popular chat platform Slack, but has plans to expand to other platforms in the future. I'm so excited to see what's next for CareerLark and can't wait for you all to hear the interview. Thanks so much for being on my show today. It's great to have you. Um, always great to have another female founder on the show as well. My pleasure. It's great to great to be chatting with you. So can you start by telling us a little bit about CareerLark and what it does? Sure, absolutely. Um, so CareerLark is a software platform that is designed to facilitate continuous feedback. Um, so our goal is really that employees in the workplace should be getting feedback on a continuous, regular basis rather than just, you know, once a year or at best, you know, biannually when the review process rolls around. We really want the workplace to have a culture where giving and receiving feedback is something that happens all the time and is not something that becomes this big dreaded event um, once every year, six months, three months, whatever that might be. Um, so what CareerLark does is it facilitates what we call microfeedback, which is snippets of really short feedback, you know, maybe one or two sentences. Um, and these these bits of feedback are given all the time. So you can give it, you can give um, microfeedback to your manager, to anyone you're working with. And similarly, you can request it um, 360 from everyone you're working with as well. Our first product is built on Slack. So we utilize the Slack platform that folks are already spending a ton of time on. So our goal is really that feed, giving feedback should be quick and painless. We don't want you to have to spend a ton of time on it. And so I, I love that you're on top of Slack. I'm, I'm such a huge fan of the company and my last two companies have used Slack. But I'm really curious, what was the decision to do Slack versus a standalone product, especially since then I'm assuming during your sales cycle, you have to convince companies not only to use CareerLark, but to use Slack as well if they're not already on it. Right. Um, so initially, so our plan is obviously at some point we will be, you know, not just on top of Slack. Slack was just a, a good starting point for us. Mm-hmm. Um, and we we built our first product on top of Slack and we're not, we're not at the point where we're convincing companies to use Slack just to use us. We have a pretty big addressable market with the companies that are already you know, very active, active Slack users. So that's our, our initial target. Um, um, to be honest, we expected that we would have branched out from Slack already, but we've gotten so much, um, so much traction on the Slack platform that we've decided for now that it makes sense to focus our efforts there. Yeah. And it's a great way to test product market fit on fit, honestly, without having to deal with the back end. Exactly. Exactly. So how did you guys come up with this idea? Yeah, so um, for me personally, I was at Twilio prior to starting CareerLark, and one of the things that I noticed during my time there was, you know, the company was doing really, really well. It was pre-IPO, and the company was definitely headed in the right direction, Um, but still, there were a lot of folks, a lot of really good folks that were leaving, Um, and as I started talking to some of these folks, one common theme emerged, and nobody's ever going to say to you, oh, I left because I wasn't getting enough feedback. Um, but they would say things like, 
you know, I really wanted to grow my career, but I didn't really know how, or I didn't really feel like I knew how I was doing. I didn't know if people valued my work or if I should be doing things differently. Um, and that was a really, really common theme. It seemed like people wanted a lot more guidance almost and, and, and mentorship, and they wanted to know how they were viewed, what they should be doing differently, and they just weren't getting that. Um, so that kind of stuck in my mind as a problem that I wanted to solve. Um, and then my co-founder, Ellen, she spent a lot of time at Google when they were going through a period of explosive growth. Um, and she and her team kind of maintained this culture of quick and continuous feedback um, as the company grew. And that was something that she kind of helped spread within other parts of the organization that she touched as well. So we both had an interest in, um, in helping other companies implement that culture of continuous feedback. Yeah, I think that's so important and that, you know, employee engagement is becoming such a hot sector right now, in my opinion. But I, I think people, you know, have trouble communicating. I really want to grow my career and maybe I'm not aware of opportunities. Um, and it, you might actually have them, but you haven't been able to vocalize them to your manager or anything like that. Right. Definitely. Really interesting. So let's go back to, you know, you mentioned that you were at Twilio and that before that you were at uh, you were a product, you've been a product manager, seems like for many years. Um, yeah. so did, did you make the jump? Was it easy to kind of make the jump from being so ingrained in product to being a founder? Yeah, it's been, um, so I am heading up product for career lark. Um, but obviously as a small company, um, in a small startup, we're wearing many hats. So product is just a small piece of what I do. Um, I think Interestingly for me and the many product roles I've held across various companies, the role is actually very different depending on the type of company or you know the company itself. So for instance, product management at Amazon um, versus product management at Zynga versus product management at Twilio, they all had kind of very different roles and responsibilities. So that helped a lot in wearing a number of different hats as a startup founder. Yeah, I think that's very true. I think product manager is one of those roles that really is dependent upon the company you're at and the culture and how they view it. Yeah, definitely. So, um, you know, Twilio, it was a, a function that touched really all of the orgs within the company. So we're doing a little bit of sales, a little bit of business development, obviously, you know, the traditional product management as well, but also marketing, um, customer support, they're really touching all aspects of, of the organization. Yeah. And I think so to understand, you know, I'm kind of getting a sense of your product manager towards, you know, being a founder, but I want to go back to your earlier years and kind of like learn more about the path that led you to where you are. So let's kind of jump in. Where did you grow up and, you know, what did your parents do for a living? How many siblings do you have? That kind of thing. Sure. Um, I grew up on Long Island, New York. Um, my parents were both professors. So, oh, wow. My mom is an organic chemistry professor and my father was a business school professor. Um, so growing up, you know, I thought having summers off was something that everyone had. It wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't until high school that I realized that normal people don't get summers off. Um, and I have a younger brother. He is in New York still. He's um, finishing up law school at Columbia right now. And would you do things during the summer as a family? Is that why you thought, oh, my, you know, everyone's parents get the summer off? Yeah, we used to travel all the time. So my, 
my parents are originally from India and it was pretty important to them that we, me and my younger brother, um, experienced India. So every other summer we would go and spend, um, about two months, actually almost the entire summer in India. And then the alternate summers, we would take other trips. So one summer, my dad did a teaching stint in Switzerland. So we all went and spent the summer in Switzerland, traveled around Europe. Another summer, we did a cross-country road trip and just spent the summer driving from New York out west. Um, those are those are some of the more fun ones. But it was alternate summers, India every other, and then you know something fun in between. I think that's so interesting, just because to me the most important thing about being a pro, um, like a PM or being a founder, is that you have this curiosity, you want to solve problems and explore what's happening in the world. Um, and I wonder if there's a connection between all those travel you did or your parents, you know, encouraging you to explore places from such a young age. Yeah, it definitely, definitely instilled in me a hunger to explore and a curiosity for, for pretty much everything that, that stays with me to this day. I think travel is my favorite thing. I will jump in an opportunity to go pretty much anywhere. The, the more exotic, the better. Yeah, you're definitely after my own heart on that one. Um, so what did you want to be when you grew up, when you were younger? I went through a lot of different phases. So I had a phase of wanting to be a doctor. Um, I wanted to be a rocket scientist. <laughs> to be, what else did I wanted to be? I never wanted to be any of the standard girly things like princess fairy. That was, that was not my thing. Um, I did, I, you know, I didn't even think those were careers when I was younger. <laughs> um, I wanted to be a professor at some point, which I suppose is to be expected since both my parents were professors. Mm-hmm. So because they were professors, do you think that you always viewed education in a traditional sense? Like you knew you went, you were going to go to college You know, on the rise right now, especially in the Valley is people say you don't really need to go to college anymore for what types of jobs there are. Um, so I'm curious, was that for you always just something like an assumed thing you were going to do? Yeah, I never even, I never even questioned, you know, college. And even in fact, um, until recently, I always thought at some point I would get a PhD. Um, both, <laughs> both my parents are professors. It seemed like the normal thing to do that everyone does. Um, so uh, some sort of graduate degree for sure um, was kind mm-hmm. of, always assumed. And so do you ever remember growing up, if you had any leadership roles, like what were the big things you used to do outside of school? Yeah, I was, um, was in quite a few clubs. I played tennis. Um, I played a lot of uh, music. I played the piano and the violin. Um, the violin was a pretty, a pretty time consuming one for me. I was in the all state orchestra, um, in high schools. I spent a lot of time a lot of time doing that. Um, I did some model UN as well. Do you remember any lessons from that that you now can say as a leader in your company that you think you learned from a young age or you make any connections about teamwork or the way you work? Do any of those happen from, you know, your early years doing violin or, you know, model UN? Yeah. So from the violin, I think the the core lesson for me from the violin was, um, I think I was, I guess, less naturally good at the violin than at a lot of other things that I did. So just having to practice a lot and just like work really hard at it was, I think, really fantastic for me. 
um, and kind of instilled this, um, just this dedication and, and kind of willingness to work hard at something um, that I didn't have from anything else in that same way. Um, and also just playing in an orchestra is the epitome of like, of really something that needs teamwork to, to really come together at the end. So that was, that was also a really, really great experience having to not just worry about what you're doing, but kind of listen for what everyone else is doing and play your part to fit into that larger whole. Um, that was a really great experience to have. Yeah. I, I think that's a great metaphor actually. Um, you can definitely have a beautiful, you know, violin solo, but the whole orchestra together is, is really breathtaking. Yeah, exactly. And so when did you first start thinking of entrepreneurship? Um, so I always had in the back of my mind that that was something that I wanted to do. Um, I wrote, this is what I wrote in my business school essays as well. Um, but to be honest, I didn't really know exactly what, what it meant or what it would take to start my own company. Um, so after business school, I worked as a product manager at Amazon. Um, and Amazon's you know, pretty much as large a company as, as you're going to get. Um, from Amazon, I moved down to San Francisco um, and worked at Zynga. And at the time, Zynga was in my head like a quote unquote startup. Um, coming from Amazon, obviously, it is much smaller, but it was still, you know, a multiple thousand person company by the time I joined. Um, so yes, it was definitely much, much smaller, but definitely not a startup at all. Um, but then when I came down to the Bay Area, I was bitten by the startup bug and actually saw people doing things all around me and starting their own companies. So that's when it became became real in my head as something that I could actually do um, rather than just something that was, you know, in a theoretical sense, something that I wanted to do. So if you wrote your business school essay on entrepreneurship, did you think when you were in school, it was going to be an immediate thing after graduation or did you want to build those skills and have a foundation to go in? I didn't, I didn't, I never actually seriously thought about it while I was in school as something that I was going to do right away. Um, so I definitely wanted to get some more experience. My pre-business school experience was in consulting. So I didn't actually have any direct operational experience at a company. It was all just kind of advisory stuff, making PowerPoints full of recommendations that may or may not later be implemented kind of thing. Um, so I, I wanted to get a little bit more hands-on experience first. And so when you were thinking about this, how did you end up meeting Ellen um, or any of, you know, do you have a third co-founder as well? We do, yes. Yeah. How did you guys end up meeting it? And what were you looking for in this partnership? You know, it's such a delicate balance and and one that usually makes or breaks companies. Yeah. Um, so Ellen and I met, actually, my husband, Abhinav, was business school classmates with Ellen at Harvard. They were they were there together. So I'd known Ellen for, for some time. Um, and we had actually talked about doing something together previously around the time when I started working at Twilio. And for various reasons at that point in time, the timing wasn't quite right for me. Um, but we knew that we really enjoyed working together and that at some point in the future, if the timing did work out, we we both thought it would be fun to, to do something together. Um, and then after I had been at Twilio for a couple of years and I was starting to starting to feel the the itch and, you know, really think, Hey, this might be the right time to do it. We reconnected and, you know, the timing was right for her as well at that point. Um, so that was, that was an easy, easy choice for us. As far as our third co-founder, we had, um, 
actually a an another third uh, another third person who joined us as a co-founder he was a friend of a friend um and he was with us for i guess almost a year but unfortunately he's from malaysia and he his father had some serious health problems so he had to move back um and unfortunately that meant he had to to leave us um but we were really lucky and we got um gilbert who is our who's our kind of replacement technical co-founder and cto now um, he was actually one of our early angel investors. And when we sent out our, oh, inv- wow. we sent out an investor update that was like, Hey, unfortunately, Kenson is leaving us. If anyone knows of any, um, anyone that might be interested in joining us as our CTO, please let us know. Um, and he obviously was already a believer in the vision and, you know, an investor as well. So that worked out really nicely for us that he was willing to, to join us. And how do you overcome that setback? Did you ever fear you know, this could be the end for us, or do you not even think about it that way? Well, he didn't really think about that as a possibility, <laughs> um, which we probably should have, to be honest. No, I love it. And that's how you, I think that's how you should think about it. <laughs> um, yeah, we did. We did think it was a, a pretty huge setback because Kenson, Kenson was great and he um, was single-handedly burning the midnight oil to build a great product out for us. So we were a little concerned about it, but we never thought this could be the end. It was more just, okay, well, what are we going to do about this? Yeah. And I honestly love the way, you know, hearing you talk about that you and Ellen wanted to start a company together, because I think there's two camps. One is where you have an idea and the other is where you kind of know one day it'd be great if we could do something together and then you wait for that opportunity. So I think you, perhaps in the latter situation, you have less, you're less worried about your ability to work together because you've either done it before, or you've known each other for many years and I think it's actually easier to say, you know, I really love our relationship. Let's define things early on and make sure that we work really well together um, versus meeting someone right away, but having this great idea, but also not being sure how you're going to work with your co-founder. Right. Yeah, I completely agree. So what was the tipping point for you guys? What was the moment where you said, like, you know, I think we need to leave and, and we have to really give this a shot? So um, I was actually working on this part-time for the last couple of months that I was at Twilio. Um, Ellen was, Ellen was doing it full-time. Um, and it got to a point where I just, I wanted to devote a lot more time to it than I was able to do while also, um, while also having a full-time job. So it, you know, just reached the point where I had to take the plunge if I was going to give it my all and really try to make career lark a success. You know, given that your parents come from such a different background, um, and I, I know, again, we're all adults, you do what you want, but still, at least for me, I always use my parents as a sounding board and sometimes they don't understand my career at all. So I'm curious, you know, how did you explain to them maybe the opportunity or were they risk averse or did they kind of tell you to jump in and go for it? No, they were, they were all, they were super supportive and all about jumping in and going for it. I think, um, so my dad was a business school professor and mm. he, as a result has you know a ton of students who have gone off and taken the entrepreneurial path um so and he actually so he stopped um teaching at business schools and kind of branched out on his own and started doing um more like corporate speaking engagement so while it's kind of different it's a an entrepreneurial path of his own so to speak um so they were definitely super supportive i also had the added benefit of um, so my, my husband, Abhinav, he had just started his own company and it had just been acquired by SurveyMonkey. Um, oh, wow. so the whole family was, um, 
you know, kind of high on the success of his startup and all about like, okay, you can do it too. Go do it. So do you, do you find that encouraging that, you know, your husband had such success that do you use him as an advisor or do you try to leave work separate from your personal life? Um, to some extent, I try to leave it separate, but definitely I would be stupid not to take advantage of the great resource that I have in him. Um, so we definitely do bounce ideas off each other at some point. Um, it's been, it's been both good and bad. So in some ways, um, it's really inspiring to see the the success that they were able to have so quickly. Um, and on the other hand, it's also like, you don't want to be comparing all the time because each startup has its own path. Um, so that is something that we are pretty careful to try not to do as well. Yeah, that sounds really smart. That's also, though, I, I would imagine it's nice that he must know that you're going through when you have to work odd hours or have to do things last minute, um, having someone that can say like, oh, I, I really understand what you're going through. Right. Yeah, definitely. He he definitely gets it. So what do you think, you know, has been the most surprising thing you've learned so far? Um, I think the most surprising thing has just been how how quickly things can you know, one day things can seem like they're really bad and really down in the dumps and everything's going wrong. Um, and <laughs> the very next day or like a few days later, you can be on cloud nine because you just landed some big customer or had some other major milestone. Um, so I think the most surprising thing to me has just been how, you know, kind of how close together the highs and the lows are in the entrepreneurial life. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that's true even when you're working at a startup. So I imagine that's extremely amplified when you're the founder. Right, right. So, you know, what do you then think success will mean to you for career lark? Would it be an acquisition, IPO, or do you not even value it in terms of things like that? Yeah, I think I'm not thinking about it in terms of things like that. I think for me, um, for me personally, when I feel it's really successful is when I meet a customer that has implemented career lark with their team and they tell me about, you know, the feedback that's been given and received on the platform and how it has helped a few of their employees or whatever, kind of those personal stories are what makes the product seem successful to me. Um, obviously, you know, landing larger, um, larger companies as customers or, um, you know, various revenue targets, whatever, are also different, different measures of success. But the thing that keeps me excited about it is really just the people that we're actually helping with the product. Yeah, definitely. I always find talking to customers was one of the most rewarding aspects of all my jobs so far. Right. Yeah. There's nothing quite like it. <laughs> Especially when you uh, discover something that you didn't even think of. Oh, I didn't think we would use our product that way. <laughs> yeah. So I guess then, um, what do you think the most important quality it is to have to succeed as a founder? I think not letting anything get you down is probably the biggest one. So it's so easy to get discouraged and, um, you know, just to give up because it seems like uh, even in the early stages, you're ideating and there's, there are very few things that nobody is doing. So you come up with an idea and you say, oh, well, this company is doing something similar or there's just so many things out there that can discourage you each step of the way. Um, and you'd have to not care about any of that and say, you know what, I'm just going to, I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to do it better. I'm going to do it faster, whatever it is. Um, and basically just keep, just keep going at it. That tenacity. Do you think you've always had that quality or that confidence or it comes with kind of 
experience um, over time as well? I think it comes with experience over time as well. Um, And I think with that specifically, I think having a good co-founder is really important because when you're when you're about to give up or you're, you're at your low, if your co-founder can kind of um, you can kind of pull each other up during those times, it's really helpful. Yeah, that's, that's a really good point. I rarely find people actually anymore to start a company by themselves. Mm-hmm. And I think um, when you look at accelerators, I know you guys joined up Celeprise, but it's, it's interesting because you look at them a lot of, I think why Combinators, for example, says, you know, we really, really want to have co-founders and not a single founder for that reason. It's just such an emotional toll. Yeah, exactly. And you're just, you're spending all of this time working on your company as your baby. And if you're by yourself, it's just a very, very lonely existence. Definitely. Um, all right. So I'm going to end with some fun questions. Um, so I love to hear this from founders specifically. What other startups are you just a big advocate for? Do you find really compelling that you find yourself being, you know, telling people, oh my God, you have to use this? Um, well, one that I just recently started using that I'm a huge fan of right now is Purple Carrot. Um, not sure. Are you familiar with Purple Carrot? No. It is basically a vegan blue apron. Um, so it's, it's super sustainable. Their, their packaging materials are recyclable or compostable, um, and all the ingredients are supposedly locally sourced. Um, and I love the recipes, and I love I just love their mission. Um, so I've recommended it to several friends lately. Um, just to get the bonus, though, right? I'm sure they have a referral bonus. <laughs> they do, <indeed. laughs> uh, that's, that's so interesting. I'm definitely a meat eater, but this looks really great. The photos are delicious. Yeah, it's been, um, I've been surprised actually. So I Instagrammed a few of my, my purple carrot photos and I had friends that are definitely meat eaters as well. We're like, Hey, I want to try this. And I didn't even, I wasn't even going to try to recommend it to them, but so that was, that was kind of nice. Um, and so I would love to know also about, uh, what your favorite book is either, you know, someone in business or your personal life, one that really resonates with you? Oh, that's a very good question. Let's see. So I just finished reading The Watchmaker of Filigree Street, which is fiction, kind of almost almost like fantasy sci-fi. Um, and I really, really enjoyed that. That was a recommendation from my brother. I wouldn't, I probably wouldn't put it in the you know, my favorite book of all time category, but just an enjoyable read. Um, no, I like that because I, I find that I read a lot of novels um, because if I'm reading them in school, I should be reading probably for class. So, uh-huh. <laughs> um, and sometimes, you know, I think after working all day for you, it's kind of nice to delve into a story. Right. Exactly. Um, as far as nonfiction, I think the, the, one that I enjoyed the most lately is um, Daniel Kahneman's Thinking Fast and Slow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just I thought that a lot. Yeah, I just thought that was really interesting. All right. And finally, if you could interview one founder, who would you want to interview and why? I think, well, I think I might interview Jeff Bezos. Did you ever get to meet him at Amazon? I heard him a couple of times, but mm. never, never met him personally. Um, I think especially lately, it just seems like Amazon is getting into 
literally everything from mm-hmm. home services to music to, um, you know, producing their own shows to literally everything that I buy for my home. Um, so I think it would be interesting to sit down with him and kind of talk through how he built that company. I agree. I, I'm always so curious about him to say, you know, when you were starting out, did you ever have the foresight to think where you would be now? You know, mm-hmm. when you're first taking over just books and publishing and then going on to literally everything. Right. <laughs> um, the everything store. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, Gary, thank you so much for being on my show. It's been a pleasure talking to you. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. that's it for this week's episode of 52 Founders. I'm your host, Chrissy Costa, and be sure to check out 52founders.com and follow us on Twitter at 52founders to stay up to date. I'll see you next week for another episode. Music.